Well, good morning. Um, it's great to be with you. My name's James, and um, I'm here with my wife, Rachel. We've uh, come over from New Zealand um, to be in, up in this lovely part of the world for a year or so, taking a gap time out uh, to be with Elaine, for those of you who know Elaine. And it's great to be um, here with family. Um, I don't know whether to be celebrating or crying this morning after rugby last night. Who was watching that? <laughs> Tragedy. But then I've lived in New Zealand since 2006, so I, I kind of uh, have a little bit of a bonus going on, but it's, it's, it was sad for me. I'm going to pray with you, and uh, we'll get into this. It'd be good to have your Bible. I haven't got my PowerPoints now, so um, you'll have to imagine what the PowerPoint might look like. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we so need you and want you to move in this place today. Um, we, we don't just want to hear words. We want to hear a ream of word for our hearts, for this church family, for visitors. Lord, that, that we would go from here today saying, yeah, this is what I need to do. This is where you want me to go. This is what you have for me, Lord. So we ask that you would open our hearts and our ears, that we might hear you, our eyes, that we might see you and, and know your word to our hearts today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, and the people said, Amen. Amen. Well, Moses said, Who am I that I should go? I have never been eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. Isaiah said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Jonah, well, he just basically ran away. Jeremiah said, in the scriptures read to us, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a youth or maybe only a child, depending what translation you're reading. And all these were the, the initial response of men to God's call and plan for their lives. Not, not a great initial response, but they all went on then eventually to line up with what God had for them and to serve him mightily. And so we're going to look this morning at Jeremiah and some, some lessons that we might learn from Jeremiah and about God and about us disciples who are called to make disciples. Did you know that? Any, any Christians in the room? <laughs> Only one. <laughs> well, um, we're, we're all disciples, aren't we? And, and our our core thing, or one of our core things, is to be on that mission where we are disciples who are in an ongoing way making disciples. And so let's look first at, at God's call uh, to this in Jeremiah's life. To start with, um, I'll read again to you verses 4 to 5. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. These are pretty amazing things, aren't they? I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. And simply and amazingly put, God's saying to, to Jeremiah, well, I have always had a plan for you. I've always had something for your life, even before you were conceived, even when you were in the womb. I chose you before I gave you life. I selected you to be a prophet 
to the nations. And so this is Jeremiah's destiny. This is Jeremiah's call that God's put on his life. And did you know that you and I have a destiny and we have a call put on each of our lives? No Christian exists merely to have a, a good job, make an honest living, though it's good to have that if we have it. No Christian exists just to raise a family of God's calling you to raise a family or to then enjoy retirement and die. There's got to be more to life than that. I hope, and I know there is more to life than that. Well, as with Jeremiah, God has a plan for each of your lives and, and for my life and for the life of, of this church family. And he comes to you and he says, I have known you. I have known you before you were born. I love you and, and let me influence you. Let me guide your life. The thing is, we're not our own. Uh, we belong to God. He chose us. We're not self-made. We're God-made. Um, we're, we're not an accident. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm an accident in life. L lovely people, lovely person. You're not an accident. You're a design by God. Your life is rooted in God. And rooted in God, there's a great sense of security and stability and strength as we accept his plan for our lives, as we receive his plan into our lives and step out um, into what he has for us as individuals and as he has for you if you're visiting within your church family and for what he has for Pitlochry Baptist Church. And maybe you're here this morning, you're still trying to figure out, well, what's God's plan for my life? What is God calling me to do? Well, of this we can be sure. As God called Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations, he calls you and me to be messengers of reconciliation to God in Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that you're a minister? That everyone in this room, you're a minister, and you're a minister of reconciliation. We are disciples who are intended by God and called by God to be making other disciples. And, and so let me um, read to you some scriptures if you're taking notes, write them down. Acts 1 verse 8, you know this one probably pretty well. You will receive what? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we know that was given to the first disciples, but it's passed on to you and me down through the ages that we have this same commission and we have this same power that's available, uh, was available to the first disciples, it's available to you and me. Then we have 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through to 20, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Did you know that? God's making his appeal to others through you and me. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's a mission. That's a commission that God has given to every single one of us. And then we have the the great, the great commission, eh? the great uh, mission that we all have to go and make disciples. Sometimes we think it's the, the, the mission for someone else, but it's the mission and commission for each of us. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what were we to do? To teach people the things that Jesus taught. And so we can take Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, 
and you can apply it to your own life right now. So I want you to do something. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I know there's a Harry over there somewhere. When we get to three, or was it Henry? I can't remember. But when we get to three, <laughs> I want you to shout your own name as if you loved it. All right? I want you to shout your own name all together. Shout, these fellows are kind of like, no, seriously? I want you to shout your own name as loud as you can when I get to three. You ready? One, two, Oh, that wasn't really good, was it? Let's try it again. Okay, as loud as you can. You can stand up and shout if you want. As if you loved your name. One, two, three. <laughs> Pretty good. Well, as loud as you shouted your name and maybe love your name, the Lord loves your name. I couldn't hear all your names together at the same time, but he heard your name as you shouted out your name, and he loves you and knows you. And you know what? Before you were formed in the womb, whatever your name is, God loved you. He knew you. And before you were born, he set you apart. Do you see that? You're sitting there looking at me. You, you are a set-apart person by God, and he has appointed you as a, a set-apart person to be a minister of reconciliation to the nations. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? pretty amazing. God, the creator of all things, would choose you and me, knows by name, and even before we're born, he has this plan for our lives. Well, let's look at the response. That's the call. <laughs> how do you respond to that this morning? How, how would we respond to it? Perhaps you might respond a bit like um, Jeremiah, and he said, oh, sovereign Lord, you can almost feel the pain coming out. We get that word, oh, it's Lord, what are you saying to me? I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. I'm only a child. You see, God has called Jeremiah to a great task, and he calls you and me to a great task. And it seemed daunting to him. And I think sometimes it can seem daunting to us. And Jeremiah responded to God's appointment with a certain amount of self-doubt. Does anybody hang out with self-doubt sometimes? <laughs> I know I do. Um, well, first he objected. He, he didn't know how to speak. Imagine that. Uh, we, we, he, he didn't, you know, some people say, I don't know how to speak. They, they've kissed a blarney stone or they've done whatever. They can speak very well, but when it comes to God things, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to say this. Uh, it's not that he was physically unable to speak or talk. He felt a lack of ability to the task that God was calling him to. I know what that feels like. I think we all know what that feels like. We, we lack this oomph in us, this sense of we can do it. And perhaps it's maybe fear or shyness. It could be low self-esteem or a lack of confidence or other hesitancies. You name your hesitancy when it comes to obeying God, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to witnessing and sharing about Christ. And so he's saying, well, I don't really know how to speak. He also objected, I'm only a youth. You ever said that? I haven't said that in a long, long time. <laughs> I'm only a child. You know how old Jeremiah, the general consensus of how old Jeremiah was when God was calling to this amazing prophet? 18 or 19 or 20. That's the kind of age uh, bracket that folk figure he was. You know, age is never excuse to following God's call in our lives, whether we're young, or you're young, 
whether you're middle-aged, and then you're trying to hang on to that, or whether old age, there's no excuse really when it comes to that. And whatever age we might be, God calls us to step out into his call in our lives. Do you know what? I was amazed when um, I came here first. It's in, I think, when was it? The end of June, middle of June? July, I can't remember. <coughs> and I think it's once a month, um, David, it was so refreshing, has, your pastor has this um, testimony time. And I was amazed to hear all the testimonies of how many new people have moved into the area. Uh, new folk have joined this church family. Some are here this morning, some are not here this morning. If you listen to the recording, where are you? But anyway, <laughs> spoiling my illustration. But so all these new people moving here. Why, why have we moved here? Why have I moved here? Uh, well, we all moved for different reasons. Some have prompted by God to move in the sense of just urged out of where they were. Some have come for jobs. Um, some have moved into new homes or doing new ventures. Some, some, are, some are here uh, to be with family and don't really know what's going on, but tr trusting God for all that. But among all those things, why, why are all these new people here? Why are you, you, you here? Why is Pitlockery Baptist Church here? Well, we're here among all the other things that we do and believe in and follow through. We're here to be disciples who make disciples. The great commission that's been given to us. I mean, you must not forget why we're here. Our mission, our commission. Wherever you're on your life, you're a student or you're studying or you're working or retiring or whatever we're doing. Why are we here? What's our mission? Well, we have a commission to be disciples who are making disciples. And for us newbies coming in is to work with those wonderful Christians who have already been here for ages and have been seeking to make disciples. To work together as a church family to be people who are seeking disciples, who are seeking to make disciples. Well, thankfully, Jeremiah's excuse was just an initial thing, and we didn't stay in it. And after a reassurance from God, he got up, and he obeyed what God was asking to do. And God understands our initial responses like that. He understands our initial self-doubt. And did you know that the Lord wants to reassure us? He's not here to beat us up. He's not here to squash us or crush us. He wants, he understands we have hesitancies in life. He understands we wrestle with things and the Great Commission and all that. And he wants to reassure us. But you know what? We, we can't and we ought not to remain in a place of disobedience for a prolonged time. No matter how good, ultimately, no matter how good the worship is, I love coming here to worship, and it's, it's a shame that the, it, it broke down. But you know what? Just pull your phone out. You get the words on your phone, and we can sing along. It, it's a shame that broke down, but the worship, the worship's great here. It's so good to come and worship the Lord. But no matter how great the, the worship is, or no matter how great our, our prayer lives might be, no matter how great our Bible reading is, if we live out our lives and reject God's call to evangelism, reject God's call to make disciples, then it's eventually going to lead to some sort of spiritual blindness or some sort of delusion will go on our lives or dysfunction or even discipline or correction from the Lord because you know the Lord does discipline and correct those he loves. Who knows that? I've had my fair amount of share of it. <laughs> I know it. He corrects us. He loves us. He's our Father. And so the encouragement um, from Jeremiah is to get over. Sometimes we're told, get over yourself. And sometimes we do have to get over and climb over our old self, the old flesh, and get up and be encouraged to get up and get out into 
the things of God. And so God doesn't just leave Jeremiah hanging on. What, what does he do? What's God's answer to Jeremiah's and our self-doubts? If you hear, maybe you don't have any self-doubts uh, this morning, praise God, just carry on doing what you're doing. Keep on getting into it. Keep on doing what God's called you to do. But for those who have some self-doubts, uh, like Jeremiah, what does, what does God do? What does he say? Well, verse 7 of our text, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I'm only a youth. <clears throat> for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms. When does anyone here this morning feel the need to say, Lord, I feel inadequate when it comes to evangelism? Don't feel too capable when it comes to that. It's kind of scary. It's a scary thing. We say, oh, yeah, sure, sure, but when the rubber hits the road. I feel not too able when it comes to making disciples. Maybe a very mature disciple, then I don't mind sitting down reading the Bible with them, but leading someone to the Lord and going through the early stages, well, I'm just not sure. But you know what? When we're fully aware, it's okay to be aware that we don't feel able to feel that we're not adequate, we can't, we're not able to do it, because God then reminds us of our forgotten resources. And maybe some here this morning, you've forgotten somehow in the busyness of life or whatever's going on in life, you've forgotten the resources that we have. And this is what God did for Jeremiah. The first thing he said to him, he said, do not say I can't. All right? Let's file this away in our brains and our hearts. Um, this applies not just to making disciples, but there's so many things in our lives, isn't there? Spiritual things, whatever it might be, we just say, oh, I can't. Do not say I can't. Don't speak out or don't entertain lies and, you know, these negative thoughts, you know, these conversations go in our heads. I can't overcome that stronghold. I can't go out and share my faith. I can't do this. I can't do the other. I can't get up on Monday morning. It's just too miserable. Whatever it might be. And God says to Jeremiah, don't say I can't. Say I can. Now, that's not the art of positive thinking. That's the art of faith in the Lord God who has called us and you as before we were born and in Christ, oh, yes, I can. And you know what some of you need to do or encourage you to do? It sounds a strange thing to do, and I've advised it to many people over the years in different ways and different situations and ministry and counseling. I encourage you to go and find a, a big mirror in your home that you can see all of yourself in, right? And I encourage you to stand in front of your mirror especially when you're going through a time of, oh, I can't, and stand in front of your mirror, look yourself right in the eyeball and say, I can, because Jesus says so. Can you do that? Anyone want to try that? I dare you to try it. Stand in front of your mirror and say, I can. And so maybe just for one or two this morning, the Holy Spirit would say to you, stop saying that. Stop thinking that. I can't. I can't. I'll, I'll never be. Oh, yes, you will be all things that God has for you. For you need to come into agreement with him and with his word and start saying, I can, instead of, I can't. That's the first thing God spoke to him. Then he reminds him of his divine protection. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. 
And that's a key point for us as, as Christ's ambassadors that we're sent by God. And he doesn't say go over there and then leave us on our own, but he's with us. Don't be afraid of anyone. Romans 8.31, if God is with us, who can be? Right, basically no one. If God is with us, and every time we're, we're obeying God's call to be ministers of reconciliation, we need to know that we're stepping out into God's plan and God's protection. It doesn't mean there won't be persecution. It doesn't mean there won't be hard times. It doesn't even mean sometimes there won't be martyrdom. We don't like to preach on that one, eh? Um, but we have God's protection. Ultimately, he is sovereign in control and watching over us. And later in verse 17, God says to Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Uh, maybe he's saying to some this morning, all right, Time, time's here. Get yourself ready. Start thinking the right way. Be ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. You ever thought about that scripture? I just I was reading around. Thinking about, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. It's just basic logic, isn't it? If you're, if you're terrified of them, whoever they may be, well, then you're going to be terrified before them. But if we choose to trust in God, to step up and step out, then the terror is washed away as we move in faith and saying, oh, yes, I can, because God has called me and God has equipped me. His Holy Spirit empowers me uh, to do this and be this person and be a disciple who makes disciples. A few weeks ago, um, Rachel and my wife got COVID. I didn't. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't. But anyway, we, we kind of locked. We were staying over in Compass Christian Center in Denshi. And uh, one of our friends uh, dropped off a bundle of videos for us, DVDs for us to watch um, while we were kind of locked up. Uh, and one of those DVDs, has anyone seen the, the movie We Bought a Zoo? You've seen that? It's great. It's great. If you haven't seen it, I've got, you've got to watch it. It's a print. It's a, it's a nice family movie, but it's, a, you know, it's not a chick flick. It's just a good family movie, and I think you'd enjoy it. But in that movie, Matt Damon stars in it, and he's got two children, a, a small child and then a, a teenager. I think teenager, he's 15 or something like that. Uh, and they, they buy this zoo, and there's a, there's a very attractive uh, 14 or 15-year-old girl there as well. Uh, and Matt Damon's son in the movie is, uh, he first kind of gives her the cold shoulder, but he realizes he really fancies this girl. <laughs> um, but he doesn't know what to do about that. And he's asking his father, well, what do I do? And his father, Matt Damon, in the, in the script, he says to him, it just takes 20 seconds of bravery. 20 seconds of bravery. And he, and he uses that 20 seconds of bravery. He finally <laughs> goes up and talks to the girl, and it all works out very nice. But I was thinking about that. 20 seconds of bravery in God, saying I can. 20 seconds of bravery just to walk across the room and talk to someone. We're, we're nervous. We're not sure if we can. But just, okay, I'm just going to use 20 seconds. It's not a huge amount of time. It's just 20 seconds. I'm going to start moving and start a conversation. It doesn't have to be immediately about Jesus, you know, do you love Jesus sort of conversation that might drive the person away, they might worry about you, but just to begin to make that connection that takes a journey eventually to talk about Jesus, or, or maybe to your mechanic or whoever you go to, just to begin that conversation, 20 seconds of bravery, or 20 seconds of bravery to start that conversation with your hairdresser when you go in. 
Now, for me, it's more than 20 seconds of bravery. We're talking miracles, and maybe for some of you it's miracles as well. But for those of you who go to a hairdresser, 20 seconds of bravery to allow God to do what he wants to do through you, or to pick up the phone, 20 seconds of bravery, or, or in, in the supermarket, or wherever we go with our family or neighbors. I dare you to try it. I can. 20 seconds, only 20 seconds. What do you do when 20 seconds are gone? I don't know. <laughs> try 40 seconds, <laughs> but keep going with it. Well, bravery, stand up. And say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified, guys. Don't be terrified, or I will terrify you before them. God's pretty blunt in, in that one. And then the Lord promises words to speak, something to say. What's the, one of the greatest worries we have when it comes to sharing our faith? Anyone? Rejection? Definitely. Anything else? What was that? Ridicule, someone making fun of us. You have to keep going until you give me the answer I want. <laughs> we don't know what to say. What am I going to say? And that, that, can, that can come in rejection. Oh, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. How can, I, how can I say what I need to say? I'm afraid I'm going to blow it. Maybe made out to be a fool. Or what if we get one of those really tricky questions about the end of the world or creation or, I don't know, something we just don't know the answer to. Yeah, we're afraid we won't know what to say. We won't want the answer. God said to Jeremiah, you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I've put my words in your mouth. And so like Jeremiah, we shouldn't use the excuse of inexperience yeah, or reason by, to, to evade what God has called us to do, what he's called us to say. Rather, we're to go to everyone God has sent us to go to and say what he's commanded us to say. Where's God told me to go? I don't know where he's told me to go. Well, he must have told you to come here this morning. Where do you live? He's told you to go there, unless we're in rebellion. Where do you study? Well, he's told you to go there. Where's my family? Where? There are different places we're put in that God has told us to go and we're commanded then, well, what do we do? Well, we, we give our testimony. You know who you are, where you've been. We, we, we talk about Jesus. We bring the conversation around, around. Jesus said, Matthew 10, 19, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, it will be given to you what to say. And when we go where God sends us, we speak the message he gives to us. And the Holy Spirit, as we're open to the Holy Spirit, will give us words. There's nothing to fear. You see, it's not about our power. It's not even about our words. It's about God's message and a demonstration of Holy Spirit power. Who would like a demonstration of Holy Spirit power in their lives? Ooh, one or two. <laughs> You've got to be hungry. You've got to be raging. You've got to want Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Paul says, my message and my preaching were not with those wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. That's a real leveling thing. Oh, he knows more than me. She knows more than me. Doesn't matter. It's not about who knows more. It's about a demonstration of of Holy Spirit's power. 
And who knows that Holy Spirit's power is available to every single person in this room. Demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power as we simply say what God's told us to say. And God announced his message, the content of his message to Jeremiah, verse 10 of our text. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And that sounds pretty harsh, but it's the same message today, both judgment and blessing. Jeremiah is to have his eye on the people and to announce their destruction, which seems harsh, or their restoration, which seems pretty good, according to their response to the message. God said to Jeremiah, tear down and destroy, that's pronounced judgment, and to build and plant, that's to pronounce blessing. How does that apply to you and me? Well, it applies in how we share the gospel. Um, who knows that there's kind of a half gospel out there? Have you heard it? I'm sure you have. But we're called to share the full gospel. The half gospel all around the world and churches all around the world will allow you to come along and sit here and think, well, God loves me, that's enough, I'm in. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And he does, he does, he does. To be sure, to be sure, to be sure. But it's more than just God loving us, isn't it? The full gospel tells us that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our stinking sin, for our unholiness, for our unrighteousness, that he might bring us to God. He, he died for us so that we can be in the family of God, that we can be adopted into the family of God. But part of that package is there is punishment for sin, and part of that gospel is we need to repent. <gasps> repent? And we don't hear that word so much anymore. And I don't know everyone in this room because I'm kind of a visitor passing through. But part of the gospel is you've got to repent. You've got to, in receiving Christ, part of that package is repentance. And that can be a great dividing thing. That can be a very upsetting thing. And yet, we are to share Dear disciple makers, as you seek to make disciples, we bring the full gospel. Well, I'm going to finish with one thing. I wish I had my PowerPoint to show the picture, but it's all right. God finally reassures us that he's watching to see his word fulfilled. Imagine if you're being called into ministry, and we're all called into ministry, but you're this high-flying prophet, Jeremiah, that God's going to use in, in, in well, quite an amazing way. I wonder what you think your first vision would be. I'm not quite sure what my first vision would be, would want it to be, um, what you think it would be for you. But I think I would never would have come up with Jeremiah's first vision. And he tells us in verse 11 and 12, The word of the Lord came to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? Now you're wondering, well, what did he see? He says, well, I see the branch of an almond tree. Didn't see that coming. The Lord said to me, listen, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I am watching, I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And that word almond tree, um, in, if you want to get into the Hebrew of it all, is saqued, and it comes from the word saqwad, which means to watch to be watching. 
which means to be awake. And the almond tree is the awake tree because in Palestine, it's the first tree to blossom and bear fruit. So it's quite deep what God's getting in there. The almond tree is God watching the seed that his word is fulfilled. And so God plays on, on the, that word and on those words to remind Jeremiah in a vision that he's awake and he's watching over Jeremiah's life and he's watching over his word to make sure it'll come to pass. And that is a tremendous encouraging thing for you and me as we get into our Bibles, as we trust in God's promises, as we step out in faith to what God has for us, that he's watching over our lives to see that his word is fulfilled. Well, it seems a long time coming, God. Don't give up. He's watching to see his word fulfilled. And God is watching Fitlockery Baptist Church. And God is watching, I don't know where everyone's from, if you're from that church, God is watching over your church with love. And he wants us to be awake and bearing fruit in his name as we share the love of Jesus, as we are disciples who are making disciples. So where do we land this? And how can we land it? Um, I was going to land it in the video, but I've landed in this. Let's land it as a disciple. Be proactive this week. Um, all of us, to be intentional. Lord, who, who's that person? Who might I find that I can begin to be a disciple who makes disciples. It's, it's really a simple, simple thing. It, it doesn't mean jumping in straight away and you know, blasting someone with your phone, if your Bible's on your phone or your Bible, whatever it might be, but simply who can I begin a conversation with, a gentle conversation to begin sharing Jesus. I have a friend in New Zealand. He's, he, he makes me feel I can't do it, and then he makes me feel I can do, but he's just an amazing way he does it. He'll go in. Uh, one of the stories he told me was he went into a garage, into a petrol station, um, and the guy behind the petrol station, um, he was of Muslim faith, asked my friend, how's your day been? Now, he said something I've never thought of coming up with. He said, my day's been great. I've prayed three prayers, and God's answered them already. And I, oh, I'm going to put that in my notebook. I thought I need to pray first, though, so I'm being honest. Um, but the interesting thing was, when he went back um, the next week, this guy asked him, would you pray for my wife? She's sick, and no one else seems to be able to do anything. Can you pray for my wife? Just one person, being open to be a disciple who makes disciples. Uh, across the faith barriers and the whole thing. And... He went on to share with this man. So that's the first thing. Um, who, who, let's, let's, let's take it away. Let's be intentional with it. Who, who do you want me to speak to? Who can I speak to this week in a conversation? Second thing on my heart, it's not my notes or anything, it's on my heart. Um, are there some here? Are you open to going overseas? Are you being unsettled a bit? not sure about your future, wondering where, where is God, what's God doing with me? And I would dare to put it out there to you, is God calling you to overseas mission? It, it might be a year from now, it might be a few years from now, 
Um, I remember when we went to New Zealand and I was pastoring a church there and one of the guys came to me, well, have you ever thought going about overseas mission? And I thought about it for a while and I said, well, it's a long way from Dublin. I'm overseas already. <laughs> what about you? But maybe some this morning, God's speaking to your heart. It's, it's just the beginning of a seed and he's calling you to go overseas, to be a disciple who makes disciples overseas. And it's to be open to that. And then one last thing. Again, I don't know everyone in this room. Maybe you come to church buildings and you know about the love of Jesus. You know he loves you. You know he loves everybody else. And you're happy with that love. But you're not actually in the family of God. Kind of think maybe you are, but you never actually made that decision. You never actually fully thought about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins personally. He never made that step yeah, to enter the kingdom. And I'd just love to put that invitation before you. Yes, it does mean repenting as much as we understand what that is at this stage. And yes, it does mean open your heart for Holy Spirit to come in. And if that's you, I'd love to chat with you after the service. And I know Elaine would talk with you or somebody else you're with who you trust talk with you and it'd be such a privilege and joy uh, to help you make that step. So let, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that none of us are a mistake. We are designed by you and we know that we're not here by a mistake today. And we ask that your word, your Holy Spirit, would settle this word, whatever we need to take away with us today, that we would take it away, that, that we would move out into something, into a next step that you have for us, that it won't be just a memory, another experience at church buildings, but that we would move out into the community, into our lives, and that we truly would be seeking to be disciples who are making disciples. For we ask it in Jesus' name, and the people said... Amen.